And welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. This is John Vibes. I'm joined by Jason Bassler and Matt Savoy today. We have a whole bunch of interesting topics to talk about. But before we do, I'm just going to remind everybody to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast player of choice. Rate, review us, give us five stars. Uh, it really helps everybody find out about us after the censorship that we've been dealing with online lately. Uh, Before we get into our other topics, though, we're going to talk about a very important event that happened this past weekend relating to some of the persecution, I guess you could say, that we've been facing. And I, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it. I'm not really good to fly yet after the uh, health complications that I had last year. Uh, My immune system's still weak and all that. However, uh, Jason and Matt were there, and it was at the Alternative Media Summit in Houston, and... Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that, guys, and what all happened there. Sure. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, it was a historic event. I mean, this is the first time that I could think of since the rise of social media that independent alternative media organizations kind of came together uh, to strategize and find solutions. So with that being said, I mean, it was pretty huge, um, and we had a great turnout. There was, I think, about 35 people in person, maybe around another 20 or so, joining us digitally through the Zoom call. And, I mean, there was just a huge range of different people. There was journalists there, obviously, social media influencers. Uh, we had plenty of activists. We even had Lee Camp, who's a comedian, join us. Uh, we had a lawyer. Uh, we had Bill Ottman, the CEO of Minds, the social media platform we've actually had on as a guest on this podcast before. So um, it was great. I, I feel like we actually came up with some good game plans, some solid strategies. And, uh, you know, I think that the thing about it that should be mentioned is that we, we don't all have the same similar ideologies and beliefs. You know, this is people coming from the left, the right, libertarians, anarchists, and they're all coming together to try to figure out what we could do with the censorship issue that's been basically playing the internet since the 2016 election. So, yeah, I mean, it it felt like it was a a good success. Hopefully we can have just as much luck next year. I think we are going to make it an annual event. Um, It just makes sense, right? I mean, the the mainstream media is very in tune, very aligned when it comes to rolling out their own propaganda and their own narratives. So we should probably have a little more cohesion within the alternative media and uh, so that's kind of more or less what the whole project was about. And I could only assume from the media coverage that we got from RT uh, that next year will be just as successful, if not even more so. Yeah, I was about to say that. It's so ironic that the only ma- major media outlet to actually cover this major event, this huge event that we put on in Houston over the weekend was the Russians. <laughs> so yeah, RT did a two-part series on the meeting in Houston. It was... Uh, they. We'd like to thank them and, and Rachel Blevins for coming out there and and covering that event. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, that issue, as far as the only people who are interested are foreign media organizations that usually don't have 
the best of relationships with this government, and like neither do we, so we kind of have a some common ground there. Uh, but it kind of reminds me of earlier this week, I don't know if you guys heard of it, but one of the main press TV reporters, which is basically the I- Iran or version of Russia Today, uh, it, it's their kind of state media organization that reports in America. One of their main reporters was unjustly detained uh, by some U.S. agency uh, earlier this week. Yes, so, I tweeted that out. Uh, I tweeted an article out on that on Wednesday. They kidnapped the FBI, uh, uh, according to her family, um, had allegedly kidnapped her without charges in an airport as she was traveling through the United States. And this is a U.S. born citizen. This is not, um, you know, that she's not a foreign national. Well, she might be now, but uh, she was born in Louisiana, and she was captured at an airport and and is being denied her halal food, and and they uh, uh, reportedly made her remove her hijab. And uh, this it's pretty scary that that's happening in the United States. Yeah. So I mean, we could see that. I, I bring that up because you could see this divergence in the media and where really the only people who are interested in covering the type of struggles that we're interested in covering are these foreign media organizations and they're running into a situation where they're finding themselves on the other end of the law now um or at least on the other end of the law men you know so it's definitely a, a very crazy time and it I was happy to see Russia today there, but I, I I wasn't surprised that they were pretty much one of the only, I guess, major uh, channels reporting on it. Well, yeah, like we touched on, you know, they have incentive, obviously. A lot of these mainstream companies and even the quasi-mainstream uh, smaller publications, you know, it, we're their competition. You know, it doesn't give them any reason to be on board with a media summit or even trying to cover it or you know, telling people that it happened. So I guess it kind of makes sense. And uh, just one thing to note also is the same day that I got back from the summit, uh, the Free Thought Project page was finally deleted, the the 1.0 version. We still have the 2.0 version up, but what Facebook does when they unpublish a page is they'll just take it down. They'll give you a notification saying that it was unpublished. And then they, you know, they give you the uh, option to appeal, which most of the time leads to nothing. Like in our case, we never got a response back from our appeal, but they finally actually deleted the page altogether. So I don't think we'll ever be getting that back, those 3.1 million fans that we had. Yeah, and it's interesting uh, how you were talking about how this whole situation is still ongoing with the censorship. We've gotten deleted officially, and everybody kind of everybody that's been following closely will probably remember that little press release that was put out by Facebook after our bands talking about the coordinated inauthentic behavior. Well, this week, Facebook put out a basically an identical press release, same uh, logo at the top, uh, you know, same artwork and everything. And it was all the same terminology accusing a variety of different pages of coordinated inauthentic behavior many of these pages were associated with sputnik which is a Another kind Russian of like our own english exactly. I mean, uh, english-based uh, news network yeah so now they're facing bans too and they were another organization that uh, gave us a lot of interviews during our struggle and everything and they've been covering anti-war issues for a really long time in the press release, it even said that this is 
anti-authoritarianism or yeah. anti-establishment type stuff. It's more than just um, like the anti-establishment. They actually directly quoted that some of the pages frequently posted about topics like anti-NATO sentiment. NATO is a warmongering outfit in the, for, for the West. And then protest movements, which they're, they're saying that protest movements are now a problem, and anti-corruption. So standing against corrupt politicians and protesting against a corrupt government is, uh, is now considered a crime in the social media world. That it, that's a scary precedent, man. They're kidnapping journalists. They're and they're they're saying that now, anti-corruption sentiment and protest movements are the problem. That's incredible that this is happening in the United States. I mean, I, I don't know where this is going to lead if it's not brought to a halt really soon. Yeah, I I definitely agree, man. I, I think that. There are people who care on our end of things, but the mainstream, they never really paid attention to us, and they thought we were all crazy to begin with anyway, so they're not really speaking out for us now. But I do think that, as we've talked about before and as we kind of have been trying to get going with minds, there are going to be alternatives that pop up, maybe even for different reasons. People are mad at Facebook for so many different reasons now. They're mad at Twitter for so many different reasons now. On the left, the right, it doesn't really matter. You know, a couple of years ago, it was like these tech companies were all hip and everything. And now they are like the new robber barons to everybody. And they should be because they kind of are. And it's, go it's going to be interesting to see what shapes up in light of this. There's going to be some kind of fight for control, though, because they're obviously not going down without a fight. And they really do think that they own the narrative. And that, uh, you could see with how they're following Alex Jones around, trying to get him knocked off of everything. And, uh, of course, we're no fans of him around here because of the direction that he's taken over the years. But you can just tell how they just have no acceptance for a counter-narrative at all, regardless of how offensive it might be. I think you touched on a good point, though, Vibes, because, I mean, do they really think that there's not going to be any backlash from this? I mean, do they really think that activists of all people and influencers and publishers are just going to back down and, and kind of give up, you know, after their audiences are removed? I think I posted about this, but if anything, this has just doubled our efforts to be heard. You know, I mean, they're, they're not going to stop us. If anything, it's just going to be a temporary speed bump. The summit was proof of that. I guess Maybe to them, they, they feel like they're too big to fail, and you know they're just so arrogant that they think that, oh, well, this is just fringe publishers. You know, We don't need them on our site anyway, but I'm willing to bet against that. I feel like there's a lot of people who actually value the information that we put out there. So if we are to shift all of our energy and content over to a place like Minds, that will be the new place that people will go to try to find this information. And yeah, there'll still be you know hundreds of thousands of normies, millions of normies who still use Facebook, but there's a significant faction of people that are going to be leaving Facebook, and we're just one niche, you know so and just going back a second, you know to me it, it's really interesting that they use this terminology coordinated and authentic behavior because it feels like now that's just a catch all for anybody they don't want on their site. Uh, and of course, they never provide any proof. This is just their claims. And it's also interesting, too, that they continue to take down different types of publishers. Now, this time, this was like more focused on the Russians and Sputnik and whatnot. But I feel like that kind of blurs the lines and muddies the water as well. You know, So now when the general population hears about these types of things, they're just going to think all the publishers that were taken down from Facebook were probably just Russians. 
Yeah. I've been seeing those arguments online since we got banned. People are like, oh, it's just Russian bots anyway. And, and, and they say that, well, Facebook is a private company. You know, they use that argument that they can they can do whatever they want. And uh, obviously we've shown that that's not true and with the, their ties to the Atlantic Council and, and such. But the com- complacency from the masses in regards to this censorship is it's pretty disappointing. When a small business in bumblefuck America discriminates against their customers, uh, people, a whole bunch of people care, you know what I mean? But like, and there's, there's outrage across America and maybe there should be in some cases, but when the biggest corporation in the friggin' world is discriminating against thousands of businesses and people, then it's just, oh, we should roll over because they're a private company. No boycotts, no outrage. Let's just, it's such a selective excuse for that. It's it's really insane. It's not like we're set, we're asking the government to get involved because that's all that the private company argument stands for. And I, I'm sure that I've ranted about that particular uh, topic plenty of times before. Well, the media controls the narrative, and you, you said it perfectly, Vibes, you know, that it's selective outrage. So the fact that we were starting to challenge that, I mean, that's all the more incentive on their behalf to take us down and to, to not cover stuff like the Alternative Media Summit that just happened this past weekend. Yeah, that that selective outrage that you just mentioned, Vibes, it's uh, there's a perfect example in the media, in the news frenzy right now, and it's the Gillette ad. And how all these people um, are offended at this ad. And sure, it, it, it stereotypes men as, as some bigots and violent people and sexists and all that. But uh, the outrage over that, man. And Gillette is like, they're a razor company, dude. They, 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 they don't do anything. You know, Facebook is actively banning people who promote peace. You know, who also promote the idea that men and women should treat each other fairly and everything else. And... Um, and no one says anything about that, you know, but you my fucking razor company said some shit about men. Oh my god, my snowflake <laughs> mentality is coming, you know. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to speak out against this. I can no longer say silent because Gillette made a fucking commercial. Meanwhile, your same government is killing people in your name in Yemen. You know, they're slaughtering children in mass and and you're silent on that. But don't let Gillette make a commercial with dudes barbecuing, you know. Yeah, and it's enraged both sides, too. And if you think the point of an ad, it's to get the, the most amount of attention and uh, viewership as possible, right? So, I mean, they've succeeded in that. And it's almost interesting because they're doing it using a cultural divide. You know, that that was actually the focus. So. It was just like the maybe they were taking a page out of Nike's handbook. And um, they're like, man, we could really offend a whole shitload of people and and create a divide and it's going to shoot our brand out there for for weeks on end for as people argue about it obviously everybody knows that nike used colin kaepernick as a as a spokesmodel for their shoes the, the snowflakes on the right got enraged and began burning their sneakers and everything and i guess this is the same thing and everybody was i'm not buying gillette razors anymore and uh man if that same sentiment if they if, if we could channel that just a portion of that sentiment into like a, a mass migration off of Facebook, you know, this problem would be solved almost overnight. You know, I was actually going to bring up that very same point about Nike because it's the same exact blueprint and the same exact thing happened. Stock takes a massive dip the day after and then 
rallies back like crazy as everybody's talking about their brand. Tons of free advertisement. I think that Nike may have started to trend with this, and I think that we may see a lot more of this corporations trying to take advantage of social divides to for free advertisement. And I, I think that that's definitely what happened. Yeah, Nike well, saw some incredible growth after they they there was a uh, Rachel Blevins wrote the article on it and she they calculated how much free advertisement was generated by that and it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, since then Nike stock like it, it did it took a big dive like you said and then it shot the fuck up after that man it was it's it was insane why not huh the media does it to 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 keep us tuned in why not the why don't brands start doing it to to keep people spreading their 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 products. It plays in perfectly to the algorithms because we know that's how these things work. You know, the more comments on a post, the more people are going to see it. So in a way, Facebook, once again, is facilitating this divide, which I guess is of no surprise at this point. Now that I think of it, the same thing happened with Tesla after Elon Musk went on Rogan and smoked weed. Not saying that there's any kind of conspiracy theory there. I'm just saying that this controversy and hype cycle can generate a ton of free advertisement. Yeah, I agree. Maybe we need to do that with Free Thought Project, huh? I'll go streaking down uh, Washington Mall <laughs> and we'll see if it gets us any views on the Free Thought Project. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to name any names, but there are a lot of people in the Liberty Day movement who do play like that, and it does work. It does. Uh, an arrest, a, a conveniently timed and um, an easily avoidable arrest is a, is a big way to get your name out there. Load a shotgun in Freedom Plaza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, jump the fence of uh, Nancy Pelosi's house with... Uh, with There's her... another one. Yeah. <laughs> or handcuff yourself to Twitter headquarters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, publicity works, right? I mean, it, it makes sense. I, I think there's a certain line of integrity there, uh, you know, as to how serious you take your craft as well. I mean, are you doing it for the publicity? Are you doing it for uh, trying to actually get information out there for people to better understand the reality of the world we live in? I mean, I don't know. You know, I think obviously we, this you know, the freedom, truth movement, whatever you want to call it, certainly needs leaders and more publicity. So I'm not completely personally opposed to publicity stunts, but anybody who's paying attention will agree that there is a fine line there, you know, as are you an entertainer or are you an educator? Like, what are you trying to do? Speaking, speaking of the government shutdown, that's a, uh, that's a pretty crazy topic right now. The government, the, the bureaucrats are all complaining that like where we should feel sorry for them that um, that, that eight hundred thousand or four hundred thousand of them aren't collecting their their taxpayer funded paychecks at the moment. I think it was you and I that were having that conversation, Bassler, about how the there's this selective outrage in, in that regard too, and, and no one ever cares about the uh, the hundreds of thousands of people that are put out of business or or because they don't have they can't pay the the government for uh, the, uh, the proper permit or um, or maybe it's illegal what they want to sell or, or something like that, you know? Well, uh, I'm, I would be willing to venture that more journalists lost their jobs in the Facebook purge than government employees are furloughed in the government shutdown. It's pretty damn close, I would, I would imagine. Don't they get back pay at some point too? Uh, yeah, they they likely will get back pay on all that. I don't think that they're going to miss out on all this pay. But you see the sob stories on CNN of, uh, you know, uh, both my wife and I are government employee. I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's sad you you lost your job and it's it's pretty terrible. But 
I mean, look at the institution that it's uh, that's doing it. It's a known group of corrupt liars and um, who are literally having this theater right now of uh, of should we build the wall? Should we not build the wall? And it's like it's over uh, just a five billion dollar cost, and the government spends five billion dollars all the time on other on on massive amounts of other stupid shit. And here they are shutting down government, denying people their their paychecks and everything over this little petty idea that probably would have happened under Obama. Had Obama proposed this exact same scenario, this, this $5 billion wall, rest assured that the Republicans probably would have fought against it. <laughs> and, um, and, and they might've shut down for a little while, but eventually it, it, it likely would have passed and they would have built this stupid wall that people can dig right under. And you know, the craziest part about all this too, is that this, first of all, this outrage from the public will be temporary and not only that, it will somehow be channeled into voting for more government or voting for a politician who wouldn't shut down the government for 28 days or, or whatever. However, the politicians will spin it to use it for their advantage for the next election. Count on it. They will. And I think that's the craziest part about this is that the American people are so indoctrinated at this point that they feel like the only way to fix anything related to government is to vote for more government or vote for different people in government. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of this really just shows how they're holding the government they're they're holding people hostage essentially. Like people who are dependent on the go- government and that is kind of a point I want to get into in relation to what's going on in France too. So of course taxation is theft, but still we we live in a very messed up society where a lot of people do need help. The government gives very terrible help, but if you strip that away from people right away in the midst of them living their lives, there's going to be turmoil. And I think that there's been some uh, – I've seen some warnings of the possibility of them taking food stamps uh, out and stuff like that and then warning people on food stamps to ration their food while this is coming up. And you know, we've seen what's been happening in France the past couple months in relation to the yellow vest, and a lot of that is uh, – I would say related to some of these same issues, uh, government workers, entitlements, stuff like that. Of course, I have a very nuanced perspective on this because I I don't agree with taxation. But I, I, as I said, you know, some of these people here need this stuff for now. Yeah, but, it's almost like they're just they they're using these people as pawns and causing their suffering just so they could make a political statement or keep the theater alive. And that's that just shows you the the type of people that are are ostensible leaders in Washington. They're they'll throw people's lives into utter chaos to make a political statement. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people's lives into into pure chaos just to make a political statement. Well, I, I find it especially ironic that uh, the IRS employees were called back into uh, work without pay. <laughs> So, you know, the, the slave masters are having to slave for the slave master for all the rest of the slaves, which <laughs> I think I captioned a post uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, I, I, I feel less bad for the government employees than I do for the people who are like on, you know, some kind of assistance that may get shut out or something like that. At the same time, people like us who are involved in activism and, and this type of agitation and stuff in times of non-revolution, I guess you could say like domestic peace, we are not the kind of people who are going to storm the gates with the pitchforks and the torches when that time comes. 
You know what I mean? We're just not. We're basically the intellectuals who are talking about this stuff and who have already thought this stuff through. Most of the time when a revolution, when a revolution starts, it's when the people in the bread lines can't get bread no more. So I definitely think that that is something to watch out for. And there's a lot of hostile attitudes, especially in some of the circles that we like with libertarians and stuff, hostile attitudes towards people who are in those positions. I kind of take a different approach. And I think that we should kind of approach them people as allies and be like, hey, look, uh, you know, we understand your problems. Here is a different perspective on the solutions. You know what I'm saying? And try to work with these people and try to help them develop solutions that are in line with freedom instead of just calling them idiots or telling them to get a job or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's it's called empathy. And um, I think that's like the key to that's definitely the key to progress versus force and trying to tell somebody what to do to to uh, to get your point across or try to, to try to change your mind. Hopefully that, that that's an easy thing to do whenever this uh, inevitable shitstorm does arise where the mathematical certainty that is government bankruptcy and economic collapse or crash uh, happens. I'm right there with you guys. I, I just, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here, but if these people are already in the position where they were taking money from the government, what leads you to believe that they're not going to just try to find the quickest solution back to that, meaning vote for A rather than B. Or, I mean, I'm not, it's hard to generalize and speak on all types of people, right? But like if these people have gotten themselves or they're just placed into this situation, obviously there's different circumstances that happen. But I mean, to me, like I just said a few minutes ago, I don't really foresee. Even if there is, let's say, a temporary protest or a movement similar to the Yellow Vests, do you guys really believe that that's going to be enough without the intellectual understanding for there actually to be change rather than just voting in new tyrants and new dictators and, and new leaders who will eventually betray them and, and lie to them and do exactly the same that's been happening for the past, oh, I don't know, what, 100 years or so? Well, I, I think it can be a, a catalyst for sure. Well, whether or not it's going to be a mass awakening is not, I mean, I guess it's, that's an important thing, but I don't think that's the heart of the issue. But if it, if it changes some minds, then that's, that's good. You know, I mean, look, I, I can give you a perfect example. I, I was myself, I was part of this system. I was a government welfare whore in the military. I, I collected a taxpayer funded paycheck and I wasn't some evil guy. I, I was just ignorant. I didn't understand the the entire paradigm and and my role in it until much later in my life and and some people you know they're they're they could be old like old and young alike they don't understand their role in that paradigm they're not like they're they're not bad people they're not they're just they're they don't have the understanding of how this system works and and how it's an oppressive system they think that that's the only system but um so as long as it, it serves to change or to, to wake people up to that and people, you know, seek a, a peaceful solution to problems and a voluntary solution to problems. I think that that's what's important. And, um, yeah, you're, you're right. I think that if there is like a, some big violent res- revolution or something like this, where there's a, or a, not violent, but a massive protest like that, it'll, 
it, it likely will lead to just people trying to vote somebody out or or something. I mean, unless like, so what's going on in France right now is this yellow vest movement is it's people from all political walks of life. You know, it's uh, from the left, from the right. There's anarchists. There's there's everybody in, is involved in these yellow vest movements, and that's what sets it apart like from normal protests where it's just like it's like here's the right wing pissed off at the left wing so they're they're out in the streets but this is a populist movement and populist movements are are oftentimes far more successful because they do bridge this divisive political spectrum that and it and it focuses on the people more over than the system and and, and trying to change it and so if that something like that happens here and it happens in a large enough scale undoubtedly we would um i think that that there would be undoubtedly good come from that situation i think i think this is kind of the heart of it you know is are we looking for a revolution or are we looking for evolution and from what i could tell i don't know if i necessarily believe that we have enough people who understand fundamentally that the institution of government is violence that taxation is theft and until people understand that in more of like a wide scale, you know, belief, then I don't feel like much is really going to change. And I think that's where I'm a little skeptical. And l- don't get me wrong, I try to be an optimist in, in most situations, but I guess I'm just a little skeptical that anything will actually change because we're not looking for a revolution, right? We've had revolutions. We know what revolution is. That's not going to take us out of the current paradigm. So I, I think that we need to focus on the evolution The evolution will be intellectual and people need to have a fundamental understanding of what they are endorsing as the state. And I think until that happens, nothing will really change. Well, I, I think that uh, these type of events actually can be a part of the evolution. So if you think about it, like we look over in uh, France, uh, This was sparked by a controversial tax bill that the government is walking back on now. So that is one positive thing that comes from it. And now if we back on the tax itself or walking back back on all taxes. And I guess obviously that's a huge distinction there. There's there's a lot of goes under that. But I mean, I think that's more what I'm getting at. Well, yeah, I mean, that that would be more of a revolution, like an overnight drastic change. And I would prefer that when it comes to taxes, but they they're they're getting they're getting at least what they want over there. And they're they're stopping the the march that the government was progressing into their paycheck. You know what I mean? But there are other uh, kind of external parts of the evolution, too. Um, the last time that something happened uh, like this in America was the Occupy movement. And by all of our polit- current political values, that was a complete and utter failure and maybe even some kind of conspiracy. Uh, but, I mean, am I correct by saying that you may not be the same person that you are today without the Occupy movement? Personally, I mean, I was inspired by the Occupy movement, so I, I get that. And I'm not saying that these populist movements don't have credibility and they don't—they aren't like a spark or a catalyst. But I we think shouldn't that, see them as a revolution. Well, yeah, I mean, what I mean, a revolution by definition is like what a 360 degree degree turn, you know. And so, I mean, do we want to keep going back? And you know, this is just 
this is why we're anarchists instead of libertarians, right? Like we're not looking for that incremental slow change. Like we understand that fundamentally our principles tell us that the institution of government itself is immoral and it's impractical, inefficient, ineffective. Uh, but I don't know, I guess, and once again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm in full support of the yellow vest and, and even the yellow vest movements that are happening in this country, although they seem to be a bit disorganized and not necessarily focusing on all the same topics. I mean, I've seen a range of different, you know, uh, wants and, and demands from the yellow vest movement in this country. It's going to be very challenging to get both the left and the right to agree on these specific strategies as to actually fight back against the state. I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that they all need to wholeheartedly agree on everything. I think that tiny little incremental changes to thought processes about um, how we make this world a better place is what actually leads to true change. I think any drastic change like a revolution, um, like say the state was abolished overnight, I think that would be pure and utter fucking chaos and um and it would be highly ineffective at promoting any any peaceful solution you know the like to 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 quote butler schaefer he says uh we will not become free when the state goes away rather the state will go away once we are free and so these little these revolutions like that these occupy movements i mean how many people do we know that like you jason that were inspired by occupy and who now are peaceful anarchists that you know johnny liberty for instance he was a, a left-wing occupier and and just thought that the the state was like the solution and now look at him he's completely different and there's there's undoubtedly hundreds of people like that and thou or thousands of people like that and so as these movements happen, I think that there are more and more people um, wake up to this idea of, of peaceful, voluntary interactions, and then more and more people break free from the status indoctrination systems known as schools, and more and more people teach their t- children differently, and it, it's a we're becoming free. You know, there's no there's no solution to ending the state. I don't think that there's any anything like that. I think it would, like I said, it would be chaos. But the actual solution is. It starts in in, a, in our personal situations and our daily lives and how we how we live them differently. And I think that as more and more people wake up to this via these massive populist movements, um, then we will eventually move closer to that goal. I agree with that. I just I feel like there's a fundamental difference, and it's very contradictory to for one group to be calling for more government and for the other group to be calling for less government and then to call that both those groups, the yellow vests movement or protest. I see that. Like I look at, I'm, I'm, I see the, the posts, I see the information, I see the literature online and it just see like that fundamental difference there. Uh, it, it's one thing to all be on the same page as far as unified and agreements that like, obviously corporations and government are the problem. But if you're calling for more government and then some people are calling for less government, there's there's a problem there. I want to make one point about the the incremental change, and and we can kind of put it into perspective thinking about the drug war and stuff. Of course, like I I have very extreme views with wanting to to go 100% all the way on various different issues on the drug war. I think that all drugs should be completely legal, if not available in vending machines on the corner. But that's definitely not going to stop me from supporting the cannabis movement. You know what I'm saying? And, and the legalization of cannabis. Uh, so I, I think that there is room for, uh, you know, 
some incremental change when it's possible because it gives us it it gives us kind of a a win of the battle in the war you know what i mean and the more battles that we win we could get closer to winning the war as far as uh people some people asking for more government and some people asking for less government uh i think that if we have those conversations while we consider ourselves on the same team we might be able to make a lot more progress than yelling at each other from our two separate camps about those issues. Yeah. And, and that's why I, I'm, I'm bringing this up and I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here because like, I want to know the solutions to these issues just as much as everybody else. And we could pat each other on the back and be like, yeah, like we all agree on this. But if we're not getting anywhere, we're not actually seeing that evolution that we're referring to. I've been doing this for you know six years now, and I know you guys have been doing it for longer, so I'm not expecting anything to happen overnight. But I want to know. I want to know what that looks like. I want to address these issues. It's important. Like if we're just you know, all kind of cheering each other on, but we're actually asking the tough questions, then we're never going to be able to identify those tough questions and how to proceed past those. So forgive me, I'm not trying to be obnoxious. No, th- this is a great conversation. And I mean, when, when I was at Occupy, I hated everyone because I was kind of <laughs> already, I was already with the, I, I was with the free market stuff, but I was like, I, you know, I, pretty much kind of where I am now with things. Uh, I went to Occupy Baltimore, and I was shocked and horrified that there were, like, people from government unions there, like, speaking and stuff like that. They had this weird system where nobody could really talk, and then they started talking about how they were going to get permits, and that they were going to take a vote and get permits, and I stood up and I started yelling at them about how, what happened to the natives when they signed papers with these pigs and all this shit. And I started getting into it with these people, and I didn't really last there very long, but I ended up through that whole altercation. Uh, I connected with a ton of people locally, and uh, y- you know, we continued a dialogue. I would say that 80% of those people that I connect that night were socialists who were kind of on a different side of things than me. And we have had a continued dialogue where we have like really come to understand each other over the years. So I definitely think that that dialogue is extremely important, and I think it's really important to bring these issues up. Yeah, I could sit down at a table with with hardcore socialists, hardcore Republicans, you know, moderate Democrats, and I guarantee you I could find something in common that we all agree on with every single one of them. And, I, and that's just like, that's what I like to focus on. You can't you can't just tell somebody that like all of your beliefs lay them out on there and be like, okay, now you got to agree with me or we can make no progress. There's to be no progress to be had because you still want to use the state to make these solutions. You're arguing for more government. You're arguing for less government, but you can, there's, there's peaceful ideas in all of these, uh, in all these ideologies. And I mean, like, I I guess, uh, Tulsi Gabbard is like, is a great example of this. You know, I just, she just announced that she's running for president recently and, we probably disagree on more things than than we agree on Tulsi Gabbard and I but the fact that her anti-war stance is um is amazing and there's no other politicians like her uh well I mean that that are that are running for president that that hold these anti-war views like this and so I actually you know I support the fact that what she's doing you know I'm not going to go vote or anything like that but it's it Tulsi Gabbard running on a uh, an anti-war stance like she like she is and she's going to do is 
a win in my view for peace and and freedom and i think that society as a whole will be better even though it's continuing the same system playing all in it but to have the idea of an anti-war president is just is is amazing and i think that 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 shouldn't be overlooked and downplayed as like this people still advocating the state and yeah, I mean, I, I consider most people who are, like, Green Party people, I consider them close allies because most of them are as rabidly anti-war, anti-drug war as I am. And we we tend to disagree on economics, but they don't care. They aren't jerks with me about it like a lot of the tankies t- tend to be sometimes. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I think that there's... We we need to build as many bridges as possible while remaining firm in our convictions and being like, hey, these are the solutions that we advocate, and here's why, and here's why you might like them too. And if we already have a warm relationship with these people, then they are way more likely to listen to our solutions, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah, and I agree, Vibes, and I think it's important to have those socialists on your friends list and to actually know their arguments, understand their positions. Otherwise, you're just throwing out straw man argument fallacies, right? Like you're putting out what you think their beliefs are rather than actually understanding them. And I totally, fully support the idea of not being an echo chamber, not creating your own bubble of reality. I guess the root of what I'm trying to address here is that when do we start acknowledging that the state is the problem when do we start acknowledging that fundamentally the institution of government is immoral and unethical you know and i guess that's where i i don't know if i could be on board anymore with calling for more government yes we all have peaceful ideas but to me i don't know i don't want to see any more government i don't think you have to call for more government uh, at all like uh i mean i guess you want to stand for stand against um calling for more government i guess right I get it. I'm not saying that these people are the enemy, but look, it's the age of information. Like all this information is out there. All you have to do is logically deduct your understanding of what taxation is by literally using common sense. And you could realize that it's not consensual. It's immoral. So I guess what I'm saying is like, where do we draw that line? And when in the future do we draw that line? Obviously, we're not saying we don't want partnerships or be some kind of ally with these people but i just have a hard time calling for more government when i know that fundamental well, fundamentally that's the cancer that's creating majority if not 99 percent of these problems i think that everybody has their own individual lines like i don't really i i, I most of my friends are commies and i don't really care but i could the cultural issues are more important to me. Like, I could really never be friends with a racist or, like, you know, a bigot or somebody like that, somebody that's really into them ideas. Uh, but I could totally be friends with somebody who is a full-blown socialist just because they want to feed poor people and they don't understand, you know? So I think everybody draws their own lines on how much of other people that they disagree with that they're willing to tolerate, I think. I don't think that uh, working with people really requires agreeing with them on on everything. And I, I think for you to support people doesn't mean you support all their views, I guess. Right. And that's how I feel. And that's how um, I think that it's tiny changes like that picking out the things that you can agree on with different people and then planting seeds and, and helping them to understand 
you know, uh, like like you said, John. I, I mean, politically, my friends here locally, uh, I'm I'm like the black sheep, you know. And uh, but I mean, I could own every argument I have with them, you know, logically, consistently. But there's really no reason for us to argue on that. I just uh, I let them have their political points of view, and I just plant seeds. Like I just ask silly questions every now and again, like to be like really why would you know why why is taxation okay you know or something not not that that i asked that but uh um just little questions to make them to make my friends think about different situations you know and of of how the state is the not the not the the right the correct solution or how forceful um non-voluntary state is the is not the solution and you know, I mean, look at uh, Justin Gardner, who used to write for the Free Thought Project. He was a um, he was an avid, outspoken socialist, and then he started writing for us, and we had these conversations with him, and we didn't keep him out of the group or you know or try to forcefully change his mind. But now he's like a he's a hardcore libertarian that knows that the the that government force is not the way to solve situations. So that's why i remain optimistic um i guess and also because i came from such an extreme uh version of that you know i was the guy that worshiped the state that thought state violence was not only like justified but glorified and and um care i carried it out i uh, you know with honors and i i, I loved to I, I prayed for war i i was uh in regards to my my uh future self and but I wasn't evil. I, I didn't I didn't know any better. And and had people not tiny planted seeds and and asked these questions over time, I would have never broken free from that. And the fact that I can break free from that, that I broke free from that, I know that these people that are begging for more government right now, or people that are or are trying to be racist towards immigrants and all this, I I know that they can change. I mean, I, I did and. And it was, I mean, it wasn't overnight. It took a long time to get where I've, I am today. But because I, because I was such an extreme form of that and I made it out of there, I won't ever kick somebody out of my circle or, or not have a conversation with somebody or, or, and I, or I won't be like vitriolic and argue or dismiss their, I dismiss their, what they have to say simply because of what they believe currently. Cause there's, there's hope for everybody. Yeah, I was a I was a full blown commie for most of my life. Like I I would literally flip off any car that costed over twenty five thousand dollars that drove by me. <laughs> like that's how that's, that's how <laughs> you were borderline antifa there. Bob. Yeah, yeah. So it eventually I I really those views did not really ch- even when I ran my own business those views were kind of the same. They didn't really change until the second draft of my first book when I started uh, questioning some of my own ideas even more after I was putting them down on paper. And I had some close friends who nudged me in a little bit of a direction. You know what I'm saying? Because as I as I had a business doing raves, I started connecting with people who were a little bit more affluent and they gave me a different perspective. You know what I mean? They weren't total jerks and stuff like that. And, um, coincidentally around that same time, I was stumbling upon the fact that Karl Marx was a 33rd degree Freemason. 
and uh, <laughs> and then I, I started coincidentally around the same time looking into uh, you know Austrian economics and all that, and you know I, I developed a more nuanced perspective for the situation. But I think that if people were were trying, if if people weren't as warm to me about it as they were with trying to question my super militant ideas, then I definitely wouldn't be the person I am today. I guess I'm a little different. I kind of started from a blank slate. I kind of realized that I didn't understand anything. And so I was looking for a little direction. I started going the anti-capitalist route during Occupy. Uh, but once I found Ron Paul, uh, things kind of started to shift in that direction, the non-aggression. I also believe in self-ownership. I think inherently I understood that those things existed. I just needed a little more explanation, a little more thought and logic you know, I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to say is that there is doing the same, more of the same of what we've done, you know, as a society, voting for more, expecting different results, um, or there's an evolution, you know, that we we realize that the state in itself is archaic. We understand that it's immoral and it's inefficient, ineffective. It doesn't have any incentive to be effective. When do we get there as a society? I don't know if that'll be in our lifetime necessarily. But I do feel like that's where evolution will start to be in effect. It will start to have an effect on not only our lifestyle, but the more abundance of peace in society. And, you know, until that day, I just feel like we're just kind of shuffling the cards. And so, I, you know, once again, I'm not trying to be, you know, overly critical of some of these protests. But I feel like until we're all on the same page with at least understanding that the state is immoral archaic and ineffective until that kind of happens like it, it's going to be slow going and i think we'll just continue to see more politicians demagogues who know how to emotionally manipulate people much like trump uh, much like obama as well and we'll you know continue to go down that path rather than the intellectual evolution that i think ideally is what we we know facilitate change but how do we get people interested you know how do we even get people how do we compete with all the distractions out there and then just the easy route the easy solutions of taking those sound bites that they hear from the news or you know a line that trump tweets out and that's their argument it's not based in logic it's not based in reason you know like how do we get people to start understanding that there needs to be a shift and just the under, you know the, the intellectual side of this stuff. So I guess we do what uh, we're doing right now, man. The choir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we keep putting we do... this information out, and we keep uh, we we just keep pushing this. Trying to we try to be that beam of light in this darkness, and uh, that's what works. You know, like that guy that the first podcast that we ever had, we read a quote from that guy who who emailed us and told us that like he was in a similar situation like me. He was. He was uh, like a state worshiping, you know, warmonger and 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 racist and all this and and because of the information that we put out there, we never even met this dude, never seen him. You know, I I don't know his, I don't know who he is. His mind was changed, and and now he's forever changed into seeking peace and liberty. And there's there's we've gotten emails from a lot of people like that. That's the solution. There's no there's no overnight uh, switch you could flip to make everybody you know do this. I mean and. In fact, I wouldn't even want that. I want these. I, I think that challenging the ideas over time is is and and peacefully progressing to try to better the world is a better way. I want the, I want my ideas to be challenged. I want this. I mean, 
the the peaceful anarchy views to be challenged. I like defending them. I like to, and they're they they're not perfect. There's a uh, there's holes to be had in in every philosophy. And I mean, as long as we make the the pathway there to this end goal that we have, where not uh where we have like a voluntary society, as long as we try to make the path to that peacefully, less coarse and rigid as we can, then I think that uh. You know, I think we're making progress, and and that we do that by by finding common ground with each other and and helping to plant those little seeds that make people uh, question this paradigm. It, it's definitely frustrating with what's been happening to us recently because um, you know we we were on a track, and now now it looks like a lot of the tools that were available to us are now you know kind of gone or or going away and we are definitely being faced to regroup and ask like how do we reach people i think that there are still so many important things going on you know there's there's radical technologies that are developing to kind of free people uh and there are people in mass treating their children better which is going to do a whole lot of good now these are small things that definitely aren't going to you know, change anything overnight. I'm not a protest person, but I do think that protests have value sometimes in the sense where it allows people to draw a sand, uh, draw a line in the sand with the oppressors and be like, no, not here. Like you, you, you go no further. You know what I'm saying? And I think that a lot of times there is progress in that. Now, I mean, we have seen, as police accountability activists, some very controversial protests, but they have really pushed the dialogue in a positive direction that people are now know about the police problem. Of course, the media did a very good job at obfuscating the real issues there, but, you know, those protests did push some very important issues into the dialogue. So I'm not the person to get out and protest or get out and vote or any of that, but I, I do believe that it can play a role in our society, and I feel like people on our our side of things, uh, the people who kind of commentate on this and uh, pontificate about it, uh, I think that we can kind of gauge what's going on in in society from this and and take a lot from it. It's there's no instruction manual for for what's going on right now it's it's utter chaos <laughs> you know i mean we we're just trying to do the best we can and and i think that the best way to do that is through is through i mean some people find it to be through protest some people find it to be through in, enlightening themselves some people find it through through making videos or writing articles and um all these things are are potential solutions and um i don't think that there should be like there's this one sp- perfect ideology that we all agree on you know i think that might be dangerous i think that the that society naturally wants to argue about which way to go and i think that that's like that's healthy for humanity i I, it puts all these ideas in check there's no one exact way to 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 live your life you know there's i mean peaceful obviously and the golden rule but i mean all all different perspectives have to be questioned and have to be uh thought out and argued to be able to to hold their weight and um so as long as we keep arguing them successfully and, and showing good examples of them, then I think we're doing our jobs perfectly. Absolutely. Until uh, Twitter and Facebook 
conspire to remove your accounts on the same day, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but even That's, then, we, we, we reacted to that last weekend in Houston at the summit, and right. we're, we're, making, we're making headway there. So we won't, we won't they'll, they'll keep trying to silence us. We'll keep fighting them, and we're going to, uh, as Ron Paul said, no, no army can stop an idea whose time has come, and this idea's time is coming quickly. I will say that um, we do need to get creative about how we reach people and just how we approach these issues and whether getting creative means some kind of crazy publicity stunt that was is ethical or if it means some crazy radical technology similar to bitcoin in a totally different industry that disrupts things a disruptive technology or 3d printed guns or something like that we need to get super super creative in this uh you know battle we're fighting with these crazy people totally agree with that uh and just to touch back on what matt said i agree there's an ebb and flow with life. I guess you don't really see much of it in your like teens, but when you start to get a little bit older, you, you realize that there are always going to be ups and downs, and the downs will just force moments of trying to adapt and learning how to overcome those obstacles. And I think that's what we're doing now. And look, like you know, I was just interviewed for Rolling Stone a couple months ago. We just had this uh, summit. We've had a bunch of doors opened up. We're going to be partnering with. Uh, you know, bunch of people in the future. So this in many ways actually turned out to be a good thing, even though it has been a bitter pill to swallow. It did feel like at the time that those six years of work were taken away from us. But at the same time, this has been a good thing. And, you know, we maybe weren't as effective as we could have been before that happened, before the purge happened. I mean, we were being effective, but maybe more so now now that we're all teaming up and kind of have the same strategies and goals. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to be optimistic at all times, especially when you see something like, you know, what happened to the Liberty Movement go to being a bunch of Trump supporters, you know, and not everybody, obviously. There were some people who've stayed consistent with their views and beliefs, but, and, you know, just like the purge, you know, these are kind of major shifts that happen. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's, I'm asking these questions because I want to be as effective as we can. I want us to all realize the, the, the challenges that we have ahead of us, and that way we could be better in a better place to try to overcome them. Yeah, this was an amazing conversation. I, I wanted to add one more thing before we wrap this up, uh, and, and it's to the listeners, of, and you guys already know this, but uh, I mean, w- what we cover on the Free Thought Project, all this corruption and this government violence, um, it's definitely dark and it's it, it kind of takes its toll on us sometimes but um, I'm off I often remind myself that uh, what we're seeing here is like we're, we're looking at the best of humanity has ever had like this humanity is more peaceful now more safe um, you know there's less people starving there, this is the most peaceful world that humans have ever lived in in the in our in all of our history and it's because people like us that we keep pushing these these peaceful values and we stay resilient where we we fail to be silenced and um as long as we keep that up i think that that's that's what's in store for humanity we have to keep these people in check and um and not let them take over but i think that uh, i mean look at humanity has a great history if we look back over it yeah the state does some horrible things they make they start lots of wars they hurt their citizens they lock them up for for victimless crimes but 
this is happening less and less, you know, and we see this happen where we're legalizing weed and people are getting freed from jail and they're, they're getting their records, uh, expunged. And this is, there's so much progress being made on a massive scale. If we look back over the last century that, um, it's important to remember that like that, that's why times might seem bleak right now and, or with some little piece of legislation or some move by the government or something like that. Uh, over time, human humans have proven to be pretty fucking amazing at stopping their suffering. And, uh, I, I just wanted to point that out. And, you know, that's, that's, that's like, it's a thing that keeps me motivated is the fact is our history and, and where we've come from. And we are becoming so much more peaceful. Awesome place to wrap up. I just remind everybody to please rate, review, subscribe on your podcast player of choice and share us with your friends. Until then, see you next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.